Well, for those of you who are our guests today, we thank you for attending with us. And let's just pause Meadowbrook to say welcome to our Disciple Now students who are here to my left. Just congratulate them because they are running on very few hours of sleep. We're excited for them as people were coming in. I was just trying to greet as many as possible, and I'm, I spoke to people from Nigeria who are in this service. I'm grateful to have them here. met a man from Ukraine who's here. Uh, he told me he doesn't speak very much English, but he told me that in English, so I think he might not be telling everything that's true. Uh, grateful for him to be here and a number of others who are with us today. If you would, there's a card, a connection card in the seat jacket in front of you, would you take a moment and just fill that out? And if you'll take it through those double doors, there's a a table to the right, hand it to them. We have a gift that we would like to give to you. Just fill out that card and take it to them and they'll hand you a gift. A man jumps into his pickup truck and heads toward the gym, which is his normal routine throughout the week. He hits the cardio pretty intensively, and after the cardio, he works through his routine that is customary for that day in the weight section. You see him coming out of the gym, and you notice his physique pretty quickly. And you say to yourself, man, is that guy ever fit and healthy? But what you don't know is that he is wrought with anger and anxiety and worry because his credit cards are maxed out and he finds himself due and does not have the resources to pay for it. Is he really healthy? There's a co-worker at your office who eats lunch regularly where you do. Hers is much more colorful than yours. It's the healthy option. And you quietly call her in your mind. She's the queen of 30 days, 30, what is it, whole 30 days, 30 days whole, what is that? Whole 30 days, she's the queen of whole 30. And um, what you don't know, though, is that she is contemplating leaving her husband. She's wrestling with the idea of walking away. Is she really healthy? Joe is in your life group, and among all the people in your life group, he seems to be the most faithful. He's here at Sunday every single week and even comes on Wednesday. Joe has so much to offer to the class. When he speaks, usually the things that he says is helpful. You think, man, if health is Joe spiritually, Joe is fit as a fiddle. But what you don't know is every day after work, Joe heads home, stops by one of the local drive throughs gets a burger, drink, and fries, and upsizes it, sits in front of the TV for the rest of the night where he's going to stay, and he does it regularly. His doctor says, Joe, your cholesterol and your heart conditions are not good. You need to do something about that. But Joe just isn't quite so interested. Is Joe really spiritually fit? As we're journeying through 40 days of renewal, we're talking about ways in which God wants to renew us. We're talking about body, soul, and spirit. And I am bringing those subjects up to you at a week at a time. But there's some risk at doing that. Because it's not as if God is going to say, I want you to be healthy in this and not be healthy in that. In fact, God sees the totality of us 
this idea of body and spirit being separated is really not one that God has introduced to us. We talk often independently about our healthy bodies or our healthy spirit, but really they are inseparable. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew language which it was written, there is not a word that parallels our term for body. The Greeks had the idea that you could separate body and spirit as if they're two existing beings. That's not the way it is. The Hebrews understood that the body is not in and of itself. The soul is embodied. We understand that biblically as well with the creation event. Genesis 2 verse 7, God is taking dust to the ground and he begins to form it in the shape of the man. And then he breathes into the man through the nostrils, the breath of life. And we know that God gives life because he forms mankind and he breathes life into mankind. So even God sees it as whole. It's certain that God is concerned and caring for us in body and spirit, the whole of us. This concern is evident in our salvation as well because God saves us, he saves our soul. He saves our soul from the sin which scars it and marks it and makes it unholy so that we would be separated from God. God saves our soul by placing the sin of us on Christ Jesus and forgiving us of it and putting, putting into us His righteousness. But it's not just our soul that He's saving, He's saving our body as well. For the body is going to be resurrected one day and will be glorified to match that of the work of the soul that has been transformed by Christ Jesus. So salvation is the totality of body and spirit being renewed in Christ Jesus. One day God is going to give us a glorified body. One day our body is going to be without aches and pains. One day our, our body is going to be without sin. There will be no disease to touch it. But the question is, what do we do with the bodies that we have now until that day? Is God concerned and should we be concerned about our body today and what we will do with it these days? The answer obviously is yes. In fact, he will hold us accountable for everything done in the body, he says. So I want to walk us through a few points today and root down to this idea of how can we honor God with our bodies? How can we bring glory to God through that? And I'd say first is this, let your mindset be to glorify God and to glorify him with your body. Before you do anything, it becomes a mindset. So let your mindset be, I am going to live for the glory of God. And I am going to use my body in a way that brings glory to God. So to glorify God means to acknowledge His supreme greatness. To praise Him and worship Him because He alone is worthy of that praise and worship. To glorify God is to recognize and call to account the beauty of God and the wonder of God and to worship Him and His beauty. To glorify God means that all that we do and all that we say causes others to testify of the beauty and the goodness of God and causes others to be provoked in worship. This is to glorify God. With our mindset to glorify God, we choose to live for the glory of God. Now, 40 days of renewal is to help us to answer the question correctly. How do we live to glorify God with our heart, soul, and body? How do we do that? How do, we, how do we live in glory in our mind, in our heart, and by our body? Two weeks ago, we were biblically looking at how do we renew our heart unto God? Last week, we were talking about how do we 
renew our mind. We recognize the Spirit of God is the one who is the renewer. We submit to Him. We're renewing our mind last week. Today, we're going to talk about renewing our body. Now, there's some risk at that because oftentimes people think about their body. They think about, oh, yeah, bathing suit weather's coming and I got to get ready. It's not what I'm talking about. Wednesday, there was a text that was sent to you if you're one who has texted in to get our reminders of of scripture. By the way, you can still do that. I know we're over 60% through 40 days, but you can still jump in right now. If you have a cell telephone that you're uh, willing to text on, text the word CONNECT to 256-414-9113. 256-414-9113. You'll get a reminder for us. Last Wednesday, the reminder was a passage that we're often talking about Romans 12, 1 and 2. In fact, I mentioned it last week and the week before that. And you would think of the hundreds of times that we have read that passage and the dozens of times that I've preached and taught on that passage that it would be, yeah, yeah, I got this one. But I'm telling you, there's something about this passage that stirs my heart every time I read it. It was like brand new, fresh to me that day. And I shared it with multiple people that I was coming in contact with that day. So let's look back at it and we'll see what God is calling for us to do with our bodies. Paul writes in this letter, he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters. Now, you know when he says brothers and sisters, he's talking about people who are in the family of God. This isn't just for anybody. This isn't Joe who does his own thing in his own life and disregards God. This is not a promise for him. This is not a call for him. This is a people for people who are in the family of God because their faith is given to God who sent his son Jesus to redeem us. And because their faith is given to us, and we are sons and daughters to, of, uh, of God, then we are brothers and sisters of one another. So dear brothers and sisters, he's saying, I plead with you, and here's what we're talking about, to give your bodies to God. So God wants your body. You say, this broken down body of mine, God wants it. And he is calling for us to give our bodies to him. Now, what's the reason for this? What's the purpose? Or what's the oomph behind us giving God our bodies? Well, he answers that because of all that he has done for you. So what has God done for you? What has he done? Now, for me, the first thing that jumps into my mind is he sent his beloved son, Jesus, to die for us. That he who knew no sin became sin, that we might have the righteousness of God in him. No question. That's what jumps out at me. So God has sent His Son, the Son of God, to give His body unto death so that we might have life. So now Paul is saying, hey, brothers and sisters, children of God, give your bodies to God because He has given Himself to you. He's given His body to you and all other things that He has done for you. Let them be loving uh, excuse me, a living and holy sacrifice. Now we're seeing how we give our bodies to God and what that means. Well, it means to live it as a, a living sacrifice and a holy life unto him. Jesus gave his body unto death, a deathly sacrifice. We don't need to die in order for God to be pleased with us. The pleasure of God is found in Jesus Christ, which has been given to us as a gift. So our sacrifice is not unto death. Our sacrifice is unto life, and a life that is distinct, a life that is separate, a life that is holy. So now we're getting it. Children of God, brothers and sisters, give your bodies to God because of what he has done for you. And that means you live your life with a living sacrifice mindset, a holy mindset. And then he continues to say, that's the kind that God will find acceptable. 
the life that God is pleased with, that's lived in that way, truly a way to worship Him. Now, if you're wondering, how do I worship God? He says, by giving your bodies to Him. That's how you worship Him. By living your life with the intentionality unto the glory of God, you will live a life of worship. Well, I thought worship was what we just did. Oh, it is. And worship is what we're doing right now. Coming under the instruction of the Word of God and saying, God, use me, shape me, mold me by your Word. Find any way in me that's not of you. Identify it with your Word. And we come to submit under that. That's worship. But worship is doing everything that we do unto the glory of God in this body. We choose to give our body to Him. So our bodies are given to Him. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says pretty much the same thing. That your, your body is not yours, it belongs to God, for it was bought with a price. And isn't that what he's saying in, in Romans 12, 1? Give your bodies to God because of what God has done. Isn't that the same thing? So what does he mean when he says give our bodies to him? It means to give ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Today I'm not living for me, I'm living for you. Today this is not about my will, my way, my glory, this is about yours. I'm going to live not as the world lives, I'm going to live unto you and that will be my worship. To choose to live unto God in that way. Now notice that Paul is pleading with us. He's not instructing, he's not commanding, he's pleading He's urging, as the King James says. So that means that it's up to you to respond. It's your call. And there wouldn't be any worship that would be worthy without you saying, I want to worship. There wouldn't be any sacrifice that would be willingly made if it was not for your willing gift of the sacrifice. That's what makes it valuable. If I said to everybody, everybody in here better sing or else, <laughs> that wouldn't be worship, would it? But you're given the option, and the option that you take to worship God makes it worthy to Him. It's your choice to give your life, your body unto God, and in doing so, you will live your life as an expression of that worship. Now, what does that mean when we live giving our bodies to Him? I think it comes down to a couple of things. When we give our bodies to Him, we're doing so because we want to love Him with all of us and we want to love other people. So love is the primary thing. God, I'm going to give my body and worship to you and it will be presented to you as love to you and love for other people. And secondly, Lord, I'm going to give my body unto you and it will be unto your service. So I think giving our bodies to Him is for those two things, loving God and loving others and loving to serve the kingdom of God and doing it well unto the glory of God. So when we love God above all things, that means we love God in our bodies more than we want to gratify our bodies. We love God above all things, including His word and instruction. So we come underneath Him and we say, Lord, we want to obey You with our bodies. We love God so we engage His kingdom to make disciples calling them to the name of Jesus, immersing them into Christ Jesus, and giving them the instruction of Christ Jesus. That's to love God and to love other people. We lovingly show others compassion and mercy and grace. All people, when we love Him with all of our bodies, we lovingly do the things that ultimately bring glory to Him, calling attention to God and His grandeur. That's to love Him and to give our bodies unto Him. 
So purposefully, we need to renew our bodies for greater capacity to demonstrate love and service to God. It's what we're called to do, to just be purposeful to live our lives as a living sacrifice, purposeful to love God and others more, and serve Him with greater capacity in His kingdom. That's the purpose, to worship Him and to serve Him at greater capacity. Now, let me give a disclaimer. I'm about to go into a section of teaching about renewing our body. And I just want to give a warning that our culture, our society, makes our bodies and fitness and good health an idol. And I do not want to inadvertently move us in that direction. So I'm just going to tell you out front, that is not where I'm going. This is not about you feeling better. This is not about you looking better. This is not about you getting rid of this or that so that your life is better lived for you. This is about a living sacrifice, and you and I cannot be a living sacrifice with a bunch of blemishes. The sacrifice is called to be acceptable, holy. It's meant to be right. You can't just bring a one-year-old lamb to be sacrificed and have a lameness about it. You've got to bring a whole lamb, a healthy lamb. All right, so you might say, well, hey, Randy, there's some parts of me that are not healthy. There's some parts of me that I can't change. I get that. That's God's purposefulness. God determined when we were going to breathe. God determined how our life is going to be sustained and the measure by which he would sustain it. And God is calling for when our life is going to be over with. It's already written down in his book. I can't change certain things about me. But there's a whole lot about my body that I can change. And that's what I'm after right there. And I want you to be there as well. So God wants you to take care of your soul and body. God wants you to take care of both soul and body. Now listen to this. Paul writes to Timothy in the first letter. He says, train yourself for godliness. That's taking care of your soul. Train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So both the body and the soul training is of value. When you train yourself for godliness, you do so by reading God's word, by meditating on it, by praying it, by praising God, by by being in his presence. Training yourself for godliness is not just coming to listen to a message that's being taught or a lesson that's being taught. It's wanting God to use those words to train you. So you're making notes as you go along. You're you're making mental notes or written notes that, God, this is where I need exercise. This is what I need in order to present myself to you as a living sacrifice. Training for godliness is absolutely essential. And the Bible is like healthy food for your soul. The Bible doesn't have any junk in it, all right? There is no additive to the Bible, right? There's no genetic modification going on in this word. It's pure from God. It's the healthiest food for your soul you'll ever eat. And I would encourage you to do it every day. Right now, many of you are in a practice of at least three times a day, eating and feasting on God's Word. That is a great practice for you to continue. You might be saying, Randy, will you continue to have those texts sent out? Nope. Nope. It'll grow weary. You'll wane. But if your heart is conditioned in 40 days you will have established a principle and practice of reading God's Word, meditating on it, and praying it throughout the day, and you won't need our text. 
some of you are really mad right now, aren't you? You do know that God says if you won't forgive, you won't be forgiven. So let that go. You're training yourself with healthy food rather than the junk food that's offered by the world. You know when it comes time to eat, you're, you've got a choice. You sit down to a meal, you can either choose healthy food or you can choose junk food, or maybe a combination of the two. Both healthy and junk food are going to give you energy. They're going to give you calories, and you're gonna, your body is going to be able to process those calories into energy. But only healthy food is going to provide what your body really needs for lasting energy to make the body's complex systems to be working at highest capacity. Only healthy food is able to do that. So eating healthy food for your body helps you to build up resistance to sickness and disease. It increases your body's durability and longevity until the day in which God has prescribed for you. Junk food often does the opposite of that, making you most vulnerable to sickness and disease. The point is simple. What we digest in our soul and what we digest in our bodies is of great value. For your body, it's of value today and your life today. And for your soul, it is of eternal value and importance. And we need to give some thought to that. I was reading a blog this week, a posted article online from John Bloom, who had a, a couple of paragraphs that really stood out to me. Let me read to you what he wrote. He says, the world and the devil are very aware that we feed our souls on God's promises, which is why, like junk food, junk promises are everywhere. They are heavily marketed. Notice every temptation to sin is a promise of some kind of happiness. Attractively packaged, tasty, though not truly rich, convenient, and have a particular allure when we're running low on hope. They deliver a fast buzz of false hope and ruin your appetite for truly healthy promises. But junk promises always disappoint because their buzz is followed by a hope plunge into guilt, shame, and emptiness. So you've seen that happen multiple times in your life and others where the world says, oh, here, here's something for you. You'll be happy if you do this. And you do that and you plunge at the other side because you recognize it's just junk. And that taking in that junk makes it so that you're not so hungry for that which is healthy. And it's a vicious cycle. He says it never delivers promises because those promises for the soul are far better that God has for you, far better hope. Yet junk promises can be addicting because our hope plunge can send us back to seeking another fast, false buzz. It happens that way with food. It happens that way with pornography. It happens that way with all the waywardness of the world that's junk. Recalling Deuteronomy 8, Jesus was preaching a message one day and he reached back into his memory and he began to say, hey, man cannot live by bread alone, Matthew 4, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And what he's pointing to there is, yes, your bread helps your, your body, it helps your physical body, but you can't live on bread alone. Your soul has to be fed by the word of God. And lift that up higher than your taste for food. While purposefully living for the glory of God, I am now learning to contemplate every food that I am eating. My purpose in diet during this 40 days and hopefully beyond is to live and eat for the glory of God. So everything that's coming into Kay and me, we are purposeful about that. We're asking the question, is this healthy for us? 
Now, it's not just that question we're asking. What we're watching on TV, is it healthy for my soul? What I'm reading, is it helpful and healthy for my soul? When I'm perusing the internet, searching for this, that, or the other, when I'm looking through a social media post, is it healthy for my soul? Everything that's coming in, I have to question. In other words, we should all ask, is what I'm taking in to my soul right now, is that healthy for me? Will it give me greater capacity to love God and love others and serve in His kingdom? Because if it won't, I have nothing to do with it. We ought to ask the same thing about what we're eating into our physical bodies. Does this food that I'm about to eat increase my body's capacity to love God and love others and serve His kingdom more fully? Because if it doesn't help my body to be given in service and love to God and others, then it has no reason to be in my body. You say, Randy, that's taking it to an extreme. No, it's taking it to what God said. God said, give your bodies to me. Offer them to me. Now, I'm not a theorist who believes about conspiracies of big corporate companies uh, throughout America who have scientifically brought together foods that make us really addicted to them so that we buy more of them and their stock share prices go through the roof. I'm not that guy. However, it is widely accepted that foods that are convenient and processed and sugary and artificially engineered are highly addictive to our, our people. Many people find them very appealing, but they are often destructive to our bodies. And if you and I are going to live unto the glory of God, we are going to have to rethink food. Yikes. Listen to the words of the message paraphrase of the Bible. Now, I'm not a big, big advocate of the message paraphrase because a lot of times I'm thinking that doesn't match what God's Word says. But every now and then they are in the sweet spot, and I think this particular passage of 1 Corinthians 6 is... Just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it is spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get, get by with, I would be a slave to my whims. You know the old saying, first you eat to live and then you live to eat. Well, it may be true that the body is only a temporary thing, but that's no excuse for stuffing your body with food or indulging it with sex. Since the master honors you with the body, honor him with your body. Now I'm going to tell you, coming off certain foods is pretty difficult. The first few days, really difficult. When you pull out of sugar, you pull out of the caffeine, you pull away from the engineered foods, your body goes through a withdrawal. For me, it was headaches, it was unclear thinking, sort of a fog, could not wait to get home, to get to bed. There were times in my office that I just didn't even have a clear thought about me, and I felt just completely drained, that I got out of my chair, got on my knees, and begged God for grace to get me through that point of weakness, and amazingly so, He did. The first week or so are pretty rough. But man, the rebound is fabulous. Before I announced that we were going to go through 40 days of renewal and it would include a period of uh, a partial fast, Amy Whitehead, one of our members whose family attends here, along with her husband Eric, 
wrote me an email, sort of an encouragement to me, and I asked her afterwards, a couple of weeks, I said, hey, I don't know when, but I believe that God's going to want me to use your story. And so she gave me permission to do so. Let me share it with you. She wrote, my husband and I married in 2012. We now have two children. In August 2016, my husband was diagnosed with heart disease. He had one artery 99% blocked. The widowmaker was 60% blocked and another artery was 40% blocked. After having a stent placed at the 99% blocked location, we were told surgery would be the next step. With advice from my uncle, we opted to research the only proven method to reverse and cure the disease, diet. Since August 2016, we have been on a diet similar to that of Daniel's fast. My husband's condition improved dramatically and she says, my cholesterol levels dropped 30 points in the first three months, too. <laughs> it reminds me of Wednesday. I was over by the, the break room, copy room area in that little alcove. And Selma, who's one of our team members here at church, uh, she's our bookkeeper, uh, came and said, hey, Brady, come here. I walk over there, and she said, I just got back from the doctor. And she did my blood work. And you know what? I said, What? She said, my bad cholesterol has dropped over 30 points. I said, that's great, Selma. Can I tell that to other people? She said, you might as well. I'm telling everybody I see. <laughs> Amy goes on to write, the hardest part was finding quick and easy recipes to prepare. And all the Daniel fasters said amen to that. It's definitely been a change in lifestyle. The first couple of weeks were the most difficult as my body was becoming adjusted. I felt like I was starving. I had a two-year-old and a six-month-old at the time and dropped all my baby weight fast. I was 168 pounds when pregnant with Joshua. Now, let me just ask you women. How many of you are going to tell in public you're 168 pounds? Well, the ones who dropped that weight down to 118 they're the ones that tell that I used to weigh 168, and that's what she does. She said her husband lost weight as well in the same time frame. A lot of praying and reading my Bible during this time empowered me to have a self-discipline to continue with the diet. I pray that the Spirit of God will empower you to go through 40 days of renewal. 40 days without little Debbie is very challenging mentally, LOL. And boy, she's right there. Randy Elrod, who you most know because he serves our church by greeting, and his wife is very faithful as well. He wrote, before I started the 40 days of renewal, my blood pressure was high, even though I was taking two medicines daily for it. Despite taking medicine, acid reflux was still a problem a couple of days of the week. Since 40 days began, I've noticed my skin's cleared up much clearer than it's ever been. My blood pressure is borderline no low now, and I've had no acid reflux, and I've lost 20 pounds. I feel much better. I'm sleeping so good. When I wake up, I feel rested more than ever before. My body likes the way we're eating, and my attitude loves the reading, praying, and praising. And then Randy's wife, Dana, chimed in. She said, I've got positive things going on, too. My blood pressure is stabilized. Sue Terrell, who also is a member of our church, wrote me saying, Steve and I are also planning to continue many of the dietary changes we've made. My chronic acid reflux and stomach issues have disappeared, and the, catch this, bottle a week of Tums is no longer part of my life. I also suffered with headaches every day. The neurologist and his test couldn't figure out the cause. They're gone. We've discovered how important it is to follow God totally, including eating wonderful food he created to nourish our bodies. 
Susan Bunt writes that she feels more relaxed and less stressed. Her previous stomach issues are gone, and now she has more energy. Sandra Yarborough says, The greatest health benefit I've experienced is significant reduction in my joint pain. Even though it's been cold and wet, I have not had knee or other joint or even muscle pain I usually experience during the winter months. Praising God for His health provisions. You say, Randy, what's the big deal about all that? The big deal is when your body is healthy and you are giving it unto God, you can love Him more, you can love other people more, and you can serve Him more effectively in His kingdom. So give Him. Your bodies, stop in this current of our culture destroying our bodies by what we put in them. Seeking God for greater capacity. To love Him and to serve Him goes beyond healthy eating, though it includes healthy activities. God speaks very directly that we are not to be idle. In fact, He ex- insists that we work with our hands. No matter what your job is, God insists that you and I work with our hands. In fact, he commends those who work hard. Now, obviously, our society embraces the idea of a sedentary lifestyle. But inactivity is not the purpose of God for you and me. I believe what God is calling out to us to do is say, get up, get out, get busy, get active, be productive. Give yourself unto me and others. Now, if you don't believe God in that, you're probably not going to believe the CDC, but they have stated some things as well about our activity. They say if you and I have a healthy activity about us, it helps control our weight, it reduces the risk of cardiovascular disease, it reduces the risk for type 2 diabetes, it reduces the risk of cancer, some cancer, it strengthens our bones and muscles, it improves our mental health and mood, and it improves your ability to do daily activities. So with a renewed mind and heart, we ought to be giving God our bodies in a way to demonstrate greater love for Him and others in service to His kingdom by choosing healthy intake and healthy activities. But it's even more. There's a balance. It's, Lord, I want you to elevate the capacity that I might love you and others and serve you and your kingdom. I want to give myself what I eat, and I want to give myself to good activity, and I want to give myself to quality rest. You know, the creator of our body recognizes that we need rest, and so he's built rest into the rhythm of our day. He's built rest into the rhythm of our week. He's built rest into the rhythm of seasons. And you and I are a little bit arrogant when we think we can go hard and go longer and not come to the rhythm that God has prescribed for us. Turn off the reruns. Turn off your favorite shows and channels. When it's time to go to bed, I know I'm going to sound like my dad, go to bed. Put the phone down. Get off the social media for a while. Go to bed. Rise up rejuvenated in the morning. Rise up with a great rest in you so that you can charge the next day with the rising of the sun and the mercies of God and surrender your life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, loving Him, loving others, and serving His kingdom all the more. Why? Because you rested well. There's a great proverb in the Bible that talks about the sweet sleep that God gives. It says, My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. To me, that's saying... You've renewed your heart, you've renewed your mind with the Word of God, and so with that, you have sound wisdom and discretion. So, don't lose sight of those things. 
If you don't lose sight of those things, they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. In other words, they're going to go everywhere you go. And when you walk on your way securely, your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sleep sweet. So if you're lying down and you're afraid, I can tell you with all certainty that fear is not from God. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Come back to His Word. Come back to His wisdom. Come back to the discretion that He's given to you by the counsel of His Word and rest easy. Live in that and see what rest God might give you in its sweetness. Who would think that there's something wonderful and spiritual about sweet sleep? God thinks that. So live your life renewed with God with sound wisdom and discretion. Get the rest you need after a good day of activity and a life that is filled with healthy eating. Paul sums it up in one verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Are you living life what you intake in body and soul unto the glory of God? My guess is most people just don't think about that. And honestly, prior to 40 days, I didn't give it much thought. But 40 days of renewal has called my attention to this. Are you glorifying God with what you eat and drink? Glorifying Him in worship by presenting your bodies to Him. And is that evident in the exercise of your love for Him and others and service to His kingdom? The purpose for eating well, having good activity, and good sleep is not so that you feel better for you. It's so that you feel better, more energized, at greater capacity to love and serve. That's our purpose. Now, let's spend a moment praying. Maybe, Father, you have spoken so specifically and directly that it seems offensive that we would call to question what we eat. But, Lord, this body belongs to you. It was shaped by you, created by you in our mother's womb. You bought it with a price of the blood of your son, and our lives have been surrendered to you. So thank you for the reminder or the instruction that what we have as intake, body and soul, is important. The activity that we do spiritually and physically is important. The rest that we have in Christ Jesus and the rest that we give our body is important. We recognize now, Lord, that you are interested in all of that. So would you find us submissive to you, giving ourselves to you? And I pray it would be unto your worship and glory. In the name of Jesus, amen.